and we are in none other than Las Vegas. Who has brought us here? How is it like being a father again in the times we are living in? A new father in the times that we're living in now. One of the other scariest things raising a kid right now in particular is just all the indoctrination and grooming being pushed. All boys should definitely wrestle. It just makes you a, makes you a tougher man. Yeah. There's lots of other ways, you know, you know, for girls, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, some kind of martial art that teaches you discipline from, a, from an early age. Like you said, you see some of these, like, some of the white liberals I know, they, like, treat, you know, people of different races different. They, like, treat black people different. It's, it's yeah. strange. I treat yeah. everyone exactly the same yeah. regardless of race. I'll never treat anyone different. Mm. For us, it's, it's seeking the truth and whoever is closer to the truth. And the weird part was after I fought some of these guys off, I ran to get the cops to help and the cops yeah. were just like, oh, we have orders uh, not to do anything. So I'm like, wait, what's going on? Some, yeah. Something's off. Sometimes people ask me, should I be a fighter? My answer is always no. If someone has to come to me and ask, should they be a fighter? You certainly shouldn't. You now that you know what you know, if you could go back in time and tell your young self starting out, what advice would you give your young selves? It showed how you handle it. Just, yeah. just ignore it and come and beat the guy up. You don't need to like yeah. play a victim. Just, you know, people sometimes say things you don't like. What, what about Islam appeals to you? I like a lot about it, you know, like the people that actually do Ramadan, it's such a serious dedication yeah. that if you're putting in that kind of sacrifice, you're gonna have, a, you're gonna have to take your religion seriously. Yeah. What in your mind um, would prevent you from becoming Muslim? <laughs> no, I'm not worried at all. I rely on God, Allah. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. The Life Hug podcast is an attempt to get to the truth, the huck, through all the noise of mainstream media with engaging and difficult conversations. Our goal is to grow and develop with all of you as we embark upon new frontiers. So please post your comments, like the video, subscribe to the channel, and don't forget to turn on the notification bell so you don't miss a moment. Today, the Life Huck podcast has made a special trip to one of the most visited cities in the world. Uh, it has developed a reputation to be the fight capital of the world, and we are in none other than Las Vegas. Who has brought us here? Well, he's an accomplished amateur wrestling champion. He has won several medals and championships in grappling, uh, including medals at the ADCC and the American International, Pan American International Feder BJJ Federation. Uh, he is an elite extreme combat welterweight champion, a strike force middleweight champion. He fought GSP for the welterweight championship in the UFC, and he is part of the legendary scrap pack uh, with the likes of the Diaz brothers and Gilbert Melendez. One of the OGs of North American MMA. Why did we come to Vegas for none other than Jake Shields? Jake Shields, welcome to the Life Huck Podcast. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for coming down and having me. And thank you very much for making the time. It means a lot to us. Um, we've been working on putting this podcast together for a little while, and uh, you're really busy, especially now. Uh, yeah. Congratulations, you are a blessed father of a new baby girl. Yes. So, yeah, like you said, I, I I do a lot of traveling for work, you know, spend yeah. most of my money in and out. So I was trying to trying to sync our uh, schedules when I would be in town for sure, and that's what you know I knew I'd be around waiting for the baby. So it worked out good. And yeah, luckily, uh, it, it came a little bit early. Yeah, uh, and that's an amazing thing to happen at this point in your life. Um, the world today, though, there's a lot of chaos, mm -hmm. right? Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world today. Uh, we're, we see uh, politically in the U.S. there's an increasingly antagonistic relationship with China. Yeah. There's the war in Ukraine. Uh, there's all this social polarization within mm -hmm. society uh, that's 
like culminating into violence, vandalization, which is not becoming uncommon. Once great cities have lost their luster, like San Francisco yes. used to live in San Francisco and it's now decayed beyond recognition. How is it like being a father again in the times we are living in? A new father in the times that we're living in now? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Cause I mean, all throughout history, I mean, there, there's always tough times. It's never gonna be easy. There's always gonna be wars and, and political you know, chaos and stuff. But now is particularly tough for a kid, especially, uh, you know, like you said, you know, I, I was living in San Francisco almost my whole life. The city completely decayed. You know, most of my family's in California, but it's unfortunate. I can't really, uh, I wouldn't feel safe raising a kid there. It's weird just watching these cities that were beautiful just uh, completely collapse, just letting, you know, drug addicts and, and gangs and criminals take over. So you watch this and you're like, wow, it's, it's gotten so bad, though. There has to be a backlash at some point, a swing yeah. in the opposite direction, you would think. And uh, one of the other scariest things raising a kid right now in particular is just all the indoctrination and grooming being pushed on kids. I think that's mm -hmm. something a lot of parents were completely unaware it was happening. You know, I already have a daughter that's full grown, so I kind of saw it happening in her schools. She went to, you know, Marin. That was probably the first schools, the liberal schools is where it first uh, first started happening, but now it's happening all over the country. So I think it's yeah. apparent it's just something uh, you need to be very aware of. You know, we were talking earlier how you need to make sure to have, you know, talk to your kids, have critical conversations, see what's mm -hmm. going on in their life, and, you know, make sure, you know, they're not getting fed bad information. Hmm. So would, would you say, um that's your biggest fear for your baby growing up in these times is that um, for her to be indoctrinated uh, with maybe ideas that's not going to be good for it's, her well-being. It's, it's definitely a fear and one yeah. that seems very common. I mean, obviously yeah. something bad physically happening to her is your biggest fear, but yeah. there's, there's uh, the indoctrination so, so heavy on kids. You know, yeah. you look, I think I read Generation Z, uh, Z like 20% identify as gay, lesbian, whatever. Yeah. And I'm not even like an, you know, I'm not like anti, oh, I dislike gay people, but I think it's not a, it's not a real push. I don't think they really are that. It's just mm -hmm. being told there's something they're not. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's messing a lot of the kids up, particularly the trans push, you know, trying yeah. to get someone to switch genders. There's no way you can, you can live a happy life trying mm -hmm. to be someone you're not. It's mm -hmm. like you're lying to yourself and it's, uh, you know, these people aren't happy and they're making it a lot worse. Mm. I understand as a father, you want to protect your daughter. And yeah. oftentimes as parents, we um, focus on what we don't want our kids to be or like we, what we fear, the, mm -hmm. the dangers that are out there. What do you hope for her? That's a tough question too, because it's just you want, you know, hmm. you want to be successful and happy and succeed, but you also, you know, you got to, it's all you can do as a parent is kind of push them in the right direction. Yeah. You know, you got to like, she doesn't have to choose her own path, but you got to make sure to give her good foundations of thinking and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, how to critically think, how to fend for herself. And then mm -hmm. ultimately she's got to go out in the world and, and, you know, do it. I already have a daughter who's 22 in college and it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's obviously scary raising her, but she's yeah. doing well, going to be an engineer. So luckily, uh, nice. luckily that went well. I think put the right things in her kid and I have, uh, mm -hmm. I have faith in myself that I can, you know, do it again. Yeah. Which is why I became father again. Big gap, man. Yeah, over, crazy gap. Yeah, over, <laughs> should have had a few over, in between. Over twenty years, we right? thought you retired. He came back out of retirement. Right? Came out of retirement. Right? Maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. I'll do the same with fighting. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were homeschooled, right? Yeah, up, up till like seventh grade. Yeah, so like till middle school, junior high. Uh, would you homeschool your daughter? Yeah, that's you know I would. It's not something I'm saying I will do. I'm completely undecided. It's, yeah, you know I gotta see how see how things are going as she's growing up what she wants to do what the yeah. schools are like yeah. i think uh at this point i probably wouldn't put her to public school it'd have to be a private school or something mm -hmm. which you know sucks all the extra money but i think it's i think it's definitely worth it you see what they're teaching in these schools unless something drastically changes i wouldn't want to put my kid there
Yeah. Did you benefit from your homeschooling experience? Yeah, I think so. You know, you get closer to your parents and you yeah. get, um, you don't get the early indoctrination on your head. You yeah. know, they teach me, uh, again, my parents were kind of free thinkers, but they taught me to, you know, yeah. to, to think for myself and, you know, make my own path forwards. So both, you know, me and my brother were extremely successful coming up, uh, mm. you know, growing up with no money, but we became successful off just realizing we could do whatever we wanted. Mm. You, you felt it gave you good, like, um, maybe good work ethic? Yeah, you know, working hard. I think just realize you yeah. have to learn, you know, nothing's, nothing's going to be given to you. You have to work mm. hard for anything to happen. Yeah. You kind of learn that early that, you know, Unfortunately, my parents, you know, my dad got in a bad car wreck, so didn't have much money. So yeah. I always had to fend for myself. You know, wanted mm -hmm. a car, I had to had to work and buy a car. I had to, yeah. you know, anything I wanted. You know, when I went to college, I, yeah. didn't, I was too proud to ask for money, so I had yeah. to figure out how to come up with the bills, come up with food. Yeah. But I'm thankful I had that. It taught, well, well, taught me work well, ethic early. What did you make in your first job? Um, I was just doing random jobs, so like oh, okay. close to minimum wage, maybe a little more. I was doing construction work and stuff, but okay. like a low guy on the team, so yeah. probably a little more than minimum wage, but not much. Yeah, how much do you think that would be back then? It was like maybe like, I mean, I think minimum wage was like six, seven, so oh, maybe $8, okay. $8, oh, $9, okay. and I don't know. Yeah, yeah. My first job, five bucks. Yeah, it could five, have been, five, I think it was a little more than five bucks, because construction always paid like slightly more because it was yeah. tough physical labor. Yeah, so that would be like American, maybe three dollars. <laughs> yeah, right, oh, that's <laughs> right, go, oh, yeah, Canada dollars, yeah. Uh, a little bit less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it still is. For a second, you guys like caught us, but I think it dropped back off. Yeah, I think we were getting up there a little bit, but then, yeah, we got we got bought down a peg. Um, what, um, what are like the, some of the experiences and opportunities that you had as a kid, right? What would you want to bring to kids today, including your own daughter? What are some of the ones that you would want to re revive? I think a big thing for kids is learning discipline. You know, okay. for me, I really learned it through wrestling and sports. Okay. I think that's crucial. A lot of kids aren't doing uh, aren't doing sports now. I think being physically tough pushes over to be mentally tough. Mm -hmm. People realize you got to. I mean, you got to do both to be. You know, if you make yourself physically tough. You're going to be tougher mentally. So yeah. I think that's crucial. And wrestling, uh, wrestling really taught me that, especially for boys. I think. Uh, all boys should definitely wrestle. It just makes you uh, makes mm -hmm. you a tougher man. Yeah. There's lots of other ways, you know, you know, for girls, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, some kind of martial art that teaches you discipline from a, from an early age. Yeah. And yeah. respect, you know, learning to respect yeah. your elders and listen to people and mm. and work hard and things aren't going to be given to you. Yeah. I think nothing teaches you that like a sport because nothing's handed to you. If you're yeah. especially one on one, you know, wrestling, you're out there going against someone. There's going to be a winner and loser, and that really, uh, you know, really makes you learn. Do you think sports have changed a, a, a little bit, though? That do you think they can still do that? Because you know, there's this whole idea of giving everyone a trophy, everyone gets a medal, everyone gets a certificate. You know, do you think things have changed in that regards? Yeah, you know, the generation of participation trophies. And you look at the kids, you know, they're yeah. they're you know whining and crying. But I think yeah. most sports, the high level sports, aren't doing that, and yeah. wrestling certainly isn't doing that. Yeah. So certain sports are still you know winners and losers. Mm -hmm. I think that's where you have to bring your kid. Mm -hmm. And you know, wrestling. I was helping out some of the wrestling teams. I think they've gotten like a little softer than when I was a kid, mm. but it's still pretty hard. They still push mm. guys really hard. The coaches are still pretty hard. You know, they weren't, when I was a kid, they were really hard, you know, yelling at you and stuff. So maybe it's gotten a little softer, but it, wrestling still is a place that has that work ethic where you have mm. to go out there, bust your ass, because you're not going to win unless you're in shape, dedicated, and taking it serious. Mm. Yeah, this whole thing with discipline and respect, I think you're right. We've lost, mm. we've lost our way a little bit because I don't know if you've heard this, uh, saying or this theme that people have, let the kids show you the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let them, and there's no, 
guidance, that means in, in my estimation, that means all your knowledge, all your experience is mm -hmm. meaningless. Like you can't transfer anything to your yeah, child. Yeah, no, I think the whole point is we learn from our elders and past yeah. generation, generation. I mean, yeah. obviously the kids are gonna bring new insights too and different way of thinking. Yeah. That'll move societies forwards, but you don't wanna you know, forget the tradition, the discipline, all the, all the hard work. Mm. Uh, I, I, from what I can tell, my perspective. Obviously, I'm just watching. You know, you and your uh, MMA situations, because um, your father was your manager, right? Yeah, yeah. And it seems like you were pretty close with your father. Yeah, I was really close. You know, yeah. I, mean, I was always close with him, but came a lot closer after. Uh, at, you know, he pushed me through wrestling, so we yeah. dealt with that. I would fight with him sometimes in high school, but yeah. I knew he always had my best interest. Yeah. And then after uh, I graduated, and then he started started fighting. First, he didn't want me to fight, but then once he realized I was going to do it, he started backing me up and took over managing. And then we, you know, talked every day. You know, he was constantly, yeah. constantly working. You know, I was like his only client, so he made me a lot of money, which was nice. He did a great job, and it yeah. was, uh, you know, helping my my training camps, my coaching. Mm -hmm. It was great having someone you truly trusted as a manager, because you yeah. never know if a manager is going to screw you over. But I knew my dad never would. Yeah, family, right? Blood. Mm -hmm. He's not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, what's the best piece of advice your father ever gave you? <sighs> can't think of one piece of advice, but it was more just an overall like- Or like you know, a memorable piece of advice or something yeah, just, memorable. I think it was more just, you know, I had set an attitude if you had to go out and work hard, you know, yeah. wrestling, he was bringing me there, getting me up early for tournaments, just showed nice. me a dedication, you know, and despite, yeah. like I said, he had a bad car accident when I was a kid, so he was in a lot of pain, but it never, yeah. despite, you know, being in a lot of pain, it never stopped him from, you know, still being a good yeah. father, still making sure I got to wrestling, yeah. still making sure I did the extra stuff I needed. Mm. So you basically, uh, in a lot of ways, his actions is the way that he dealt with you, that a way that he set the example of dealing with that pain was, yeah, it's you know, a way of guiding you or showing you, right? Yeah, more setting examples of knowing you still yeah. had you still had to do the work, you still had to show up every day. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, I mean, it's good talking with words too, but also yeah. sometimes just setting an example by leading, I think is yeah. really important. Sometimes actions speak louder than words, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. And for you to see that and for him to be there for you. You know, yeah. I, I felt the same way. Uh, you know, my father, a uh, lot of struggles mm -hmm. for him, you know, you know, being an immigrant uh, coming to Canada. Mm -hmm. He um, he always said from his own example, he's like, listen, it doesn't matter how hard you get down. He's like, yeah, he, he, he would actually use the example of a he'd say sportsman, but like, you know, mm -hmm. it'd be like an athlete, you know, never accept defeat. No matter how low you go, get yeah. back up. No matter how hard you fall, get back up. Keep mm -hmm. trying. You know what I mean? And I remember him just like make, trying to make sure like I would stay out of trouble, don't go to, get into bad crowds, like do whatever he could in his power, like obviously limited to with finances, mm -hmm. ability, English as a second language, yeah. you know what I mean? But fathers, man, have a, have a so, dramatic impact. I don't yeah. think people appreciate how much of an impact fathers have. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'm so fortunate that my dad didn't die in his wreck. And I think yeah. sometimes as a kid, you don't even realize the struggle he's going through. You don't realize yeah. the pain he's in. You're just thinking yeah. like, oh, why can't he do this? Why can't he go work out with me? You know, yeah. sometimes you get selfish. But looking yeah. back, you're like, wow, he, you know, despite yeah. what he was dealing with, he still yeah. did his best, came through, yeah. delivered. And like I said, we were so fortunate to have a father. You see so many yeah. of your friends that don't, they get in trouble, you know? Yeah. When I was younger, I was rolling with the wrong people, getting in mm -hmm. trouble. A lot of my friends ended up either getting killed or in jail, but my dad kind yeah. of, you know, barely kept me out of line, but he would, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah. have to be hard on me. He'd have to be like, yeah. no, you're not going to hang out with those people. At yeah. the time, I didn't like it, but looking yeah. back, you're like, oh, wow, those people are dead or in jail now. Yeah. No, I, I think we had a similar kind of outlook experience mm -hmm. with our fathers. I remember my father used to take me middle of the night mm -hmm. in his car. We'd go to like an empty mall, mall parking lot mm -hmm. 
and he would just sit there giving me advice like yeah. you know you know you got to do this you got to make sure you keep your you know mm -hmm. your head on straight take advantage of your opportunities you, you keep doing it and I, and I remember at one point like I think we also may have associated with uh, some friends that might not be good for us uh -huh. we used to have a constable that used to stay at the school right to mm -hmm. control the violence and all that stuff so he'd be like an on-site yeah. constable and I remember one day he came to me and he said, he told me, he's like, do you know that out of all your friends, you're the only one going to university? All these guys have criminal records. They're all gonna right. like get in trouble. They're gonna be in jail, right? You gotta think of what you wanna do, right? And I was thinking like, what's the difference, mm -hmm. right? And I thought to myself, the impact that my father had, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure at the time, sometimes you were frustrated and yeah. annoying, but you look back, you're like, wow, he was so right. I think at the yeah. time, I partially knew he was right, too, because yeah. obviously you were doing the wrong things, but you yeah. get, like, mad, like, oh, I can't believe he's being so strict, but yeah. I think I was fortunate where my dad had grown up yeah. in, uh, like, East Oakland, which is a really, really bad uh, yeah. bad city by San Francisco, so he yeah. grew up around, you know, around gang members and stuff, so he could see stuff. My mom would be naive and be like, oh, no, these guys aren't doing that. They ain't have guns. My dad would just be like, no, he's not. Yeah. He could see things that a lot of other people wouldn't notice, and yeah. luckily that was, that was good. It kept helping keep me out of trouble yeah. i think it makes your root, roots strong because mm -hmm. no matter what happens like if the tree gets damaged or cut if the roots are strong it'll grow back up exactly you know what i mean and i think fathers have a huge thing um to do with that um i want to talk to you a little bit uh, of something that i've observed uh from you it seems like you really dislike bullies you know you were on that show Bully bullied down, down. Yeah. you know what I, mean? I saw that yeah. uh that show um you saved that dude um, from the Antifa beating oh, yeah. six years ago, right? There's that yeah, Berkeley, that was, was it? Yeah, that was, I don't know exactly when it was. Yeah, it was in Berkeley. It was just, uh, you know, I was just out in Berkeley getting dinner. Yeah. And it was a huge riot. People were getting beat up all over the streets. Yeah. You know, I ran out, fought a bunch of people off. They're, they're beating guys. He had like a Trump hat. He was on the ground bloody. Yeah. I had to fight him off, pulled the guy. Yeah. Um, I pulled him in a store. I threw him like in a, a little store right there. Yeah. I, this is where I first started following politics. So yeah. I pulled him in the store and the guys were like, knock the window out. And then when someone's like, oh, it's a minority-owned business, don't knock them out. And I'm just like, wait, does it makes a difference if yeah. it's minority-owned or not? That was yeah. weird. I didn't know people thought like that. So yeah. that was a that was a wake-up call, having to fight these people, seeing the seeing the way they thought. And the weird part yeah. was, after I fought some of these guys off, I ran to get the cops to help. And the cops yeah. were just like, oh, we have orders uh, not to do anything. So I'm like, wait, what's going on? Some, yeah. Something's off. Yeah. And that's when I started slowly following politics and yeah. realizing... Uh, Things are a little weird in the West right now. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, right? Like uh, some of the uh, videos you see out on Twitter, like brutal beatings and people are just watching. Yeah, just Isn't watching. Isn't that amazing? Like humanity has gone to that level. There's like no mercy in people's hearts where they can mm. see somebody like, yeah. doesn't matter who, like, okay, yeah, maybe the guy's as a moron. Say he has the worst mm. opinions. No one deserves to get beat like that, like so badly, like, so brutally, like a beaten like a, you know, like a dog. Yeah, you know? no, people will just sit and watch. That's what happened in... Uh, when I was in Berkeley, this guy was getting stomped and there was a few people yeah. being like, oh, maybe you should stop. And most people were just like, get him, he's a Nazi. Yeah. When I first ran up to fight the, you know, to help the guy, at yeah. first they're like, oh, get him to me, he's a Nazi. But as soon as I dropped one, all of a sudden they like changed their tone. Yeah, Luckily yeah, they yeah. couldn't fight, but yeah, yeah. it is a little scary because it was like, you know, 20 people I had to run down and, and yeah. fight off, but luckily they couldn't fight. So I understand, I kind of understand people, for one, they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to yeah. get involved. Yeah. And also some of these cities now, you might go and help someone and then they might press charges against you. Against you. You might help someone, you accidentally hurt them. I think, it, yeah. I don't know the details, but something happened in New York where yeah. I think someone was attacking people on a subway and a guy put him in a chokehold. Yeah. The guy died. Now he might get murder charges. Man. How, do you think bullies have changed since you were a kid? I don't, yeah, it's hard to say. You know, I'm not really in the, in the schools, so I yeah. think they've... But in general, like, you know, when we were growing up, like if you see movies in the 80s, 
or even 90s, like a bully had a certain type of I think look, like I a think certain it's archetype. Changed a lot, actually. I think bullying's done in different ways, more like yeah. cyber. Yeah. It's almost more like the the more weaker people doing the bullying now through yeah. like weird tactic tactics. I think they did shut, you know, cut down the bullying quite a bit in the schools, but it's yeah. still, it's going to happen. I think human nature, people are going to try to bully other people, unfortunately. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that the people who were kind of classically bullied before have now turned into the bullies? I think a little bit, you know, it seems that mm-hmm. way, like online at least, like some of yeah. the weird people are trying to, like I have a lot of the, you know, the trans people and stuff hate me because I don't think they should, trans should be women's sports and stuff and they're yeah. like these weird people that would have been like dorks but they're always like trying to get me banned and threatening yeah. me and like giving me death threats yeah just for things like not thinking trans should be pushed on kids and not mm-hmm. thinking if you're a born a man you should push you should compete against women things that i think yeah. are common sense but i have these like mobs of people after me did you see that one muslim woman who was um she, she uh, made a video about this one uh trans guy who um had a Patreon and was like talking to kids and she's like, why are you having to, why do you need to have like one-on-one conversation with kids? So she was just mm-hmm. not really saying anything like hateful, but saying like, why do you have to have all these things that are defined yeah. as grooming with kids? Yeah. And then uh, everyone started like this guy's whole social media or his whole network started attacking her. They started like harassing her, her kids, her family. So the, they basically started bullying her. Yeah, right? no, that's what they do. They have like these harassment campaigns where they go yeah. after people. They try to get you like fired from your work. I mean, I'm self-employed, but I have yeah. like places where I'm doing seminars. Where they're writing. I'm trying to yeah. be like, oh, cancel them. Luckily, yeah. jiu-jitsu and fighting for the most part is like, you know, yeah. screw off. But it's, yeah. that's what people do. They go and try to bully you yeah. into submission to believe something you don't believe. Yeah. And there is a huge grooming as- aspect. What yeah. guy, you know, a grown man trying to talk to little kids one-on-one, it's a little yeah. creepy. What if I yeah. was like trying to, you know, talk to little girls one-on-one with, oh, I don't want parents. That, that's, that's a creepy behavior. Yeah, yeah. That's the unfortunate thing. I think a lot yeah. of these people are using the trans identity as a way to get close to kids. Yeah. They can just be like, oh, I'm trans, and they get a free pass. I, I, you know, and I don't just think it's like that particular group, like whether it's Antifa, whether it's um, maybe far right, may, maybe like BLM. You know, you see it's almost like it's this tribalistic mm-hmm. idea. Like it doesn't matter who's right. It doesn't matter how brutal it is, whether it's the good thing to do, mm-hmm. um, or, whether it's the right thing to do our side's got to win. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And there's a prophetic n- a narration, which we're kind of taught and uh, how we try to live as Muslims, is that the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, told his companions, help your brother, whether he is an oppressed or an oppressor. Mm-hmm. And so then they asked him, okay, we know to help him if he's oppressed. Like if yeah. he's getting bullied, essentially, we know to help him. But what do you mean like if he's an oppressor? Right? Mm-hmm. Because help him oppress more? Yeah. No. He said, help him oppress her by stopping him from oppressing. So you're helping him yeah. because he's doing something wrong that's like he's like doing oppression on somebody. He's, he's wronging yeah. somebody. So you help them by stopping him from doing that. So it's not just because he's your Muslim brother yeah. that you aid him in oppression. No, mm-hmm. you help him by getting him to stop. Yeah. You know? doing him a, doing him a favor in the long run. <laughs> exactly. Checking it. And that's what, mm-hmm. if you really care about somebody, you check them. Yeah, right? exactly. But it's this tribalistic mentality. It's like our side's got to win under, like, doesn't matter what the cost is. Right? Yeah, I think humans are naturally very tribal. And they want to yeah. jump on a team, which is something yeah. I have to be very, I try yeah. to be very mindful that I don't do that because yeah. everyone has a natural tendency to do that. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't identify as right or left. Yeah. You know, I, I end up getting lumped in with the right and I'm definitely a lot closer to people on the right, but there's yeah. things where I'll, uh, I'll disagree with them on. Yeah. Something I've noticed a lot though, 
for the right, the things I disagree on them on, they, they pretty much don't get mad and be like, oh, screw you. But the yeah. things of the left, I disagree with them, or at least not all the left, but a large contingent of the left mm. will completely hate you and want no part of you. Yeah. And that's what I don't really like about like the trans things and the BLM stuff. If you, if you go off on one part of it, they just yeah. completely like hate you and, and there, there is polling to also you. indicate that uh, how I believe the question was, uh, how likely are you to end up friendship with somebody who has an opposing view as you? Mm. And then the the left leaning ideology was more likely to end a friendship. Uh, yeah, I saw that. that too. Yeah. Which, you know, I spent most of my life in San Francisco and New York, so liberal cities. So I have tons mm. of liberal friends, but uh, mm. surprisingly, I managed to lose no friendships when I started, you know, going political and expressing mm. my views. I think all mm. my friends, you know, I think at the fight world, jujitsu, most of my friends, people are more understanding. And mm. I think, uh, a lot of those people kind of uh, lean right anyways. I think a lot of people, my friends at first, when I started telling them things I was noticing were completely on the opposite end, but then they started slowly seeing I was right. I think I kind of noticed uh, some of the crazy stuff that was going on before them. Yeah. Like I said, I think I first started noticing when I, when I broke that fight up, I started to realize something was off and then I started seeing like, oh, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, something's not right. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I want to say, um, you know, um, as part of the Muslim community, we appreciate uh, how you've stood up uh, for the Muslim community as well. You oh, thank I mean? you. I just think it's a misunderstood yeah. community a lot in the U.S. I don't know as much about Canada, but yeah. Muslims, especially after 9-11, they got yeah. really a bad rap and a back, backlash yeah. here. Yeah. I've had a bunch of my closest friends are Muslims, and I see, uh, I've seen the positive side of it, yeah. like how the, the family bonds and the ties to their community, mm. the respect to their religion. So I see this yeah. and be like, wow, there's so many, there's so many good things that, yeah. that my Christian friends, you know, they don't hold the same the same communities, they don't take the religion as serious, they don't have the same family ties. So I see that and I think, oh, these religions are just uh, so misunderstood in the West. And yeah. I've traveled to some of these Muslim countries too, so it's yeah. not just the West, it's, it's worldwide. Yeah. And of course, you know, there's some bad Muslims, of course, there's bad people of every, uh, every religion, yeah. every faith, yeah. but people trying to put it on the religion was just kind of yeah. completely idiotic. And I think yeah. it's starting starting to sway a little bit the opinion. You could see a lot of people, yeah. you know, the Christians and stuff being like, oh, maybe we have a lot more with the Muslims in common than we thought we did. Yeah. Um, I saw you check Sam Harris uh, in a tweet as well uh, a little while ago. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, like you were asking about Canada. Canada does have a lot of hate. Uh, I don't know um, if you're aware of some of the stuff that's happened in Canada. There was a, a guy a few years ago went into a mosque, killed six people. Mm -hmm. um, there was another one who, who ran over a Muslim family. You know what I mean? Entire family eradicated yeah. except for one kid. So this whole kid lost his, his siblings, his mother and father. You know what so I mean? So awful. And, um, you know, if they see, you know, women in a hijab, there's, there's been attacks on them. Dang. Uh, I, I believe the statistics are the, the generator of uh, the number four country that generates the most hateful social media content against Muslims is mm -hmm. Canada, actually. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. they act like Canada is so, you know, uh, yeah. accepting and everything. Yeah. But a lot of times what they say and act is often, you know, not the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, it's a tough situation. I, I don't think it's the end of the world because when I was yeah. growing up, we never, you know, it's weird. I never felt growing up mm -hmm. 80s, 90s, I never felt um, like self-conscious for being Muslim. Yeah. Can you imagine that? It's like as if we've gotten worse. Racism has gotten worse. It definitely you know, hating has gotten worse. Yeah, because I grew up, you know, and like it did, no one really, you know, came, it was a lot more white people where I went, but it was yeah. mixed in with Native Americans, you know, yeah. and some other people, and no one yeah. really cared about race. There yeah. was like, you know, a couple black kids at school. Yeah. So it's something really funny on, you know, Facebook during the Black Lives Matter thing. Yeah. When, you know, when the black kids at school was like, you know, I never felt different. Everyone always treated me the same. I felt like I was one of the boys. Yeah. It was like a bunch of white girls on there telling them, yeah. no, they didn't treat you that way. The guy's like telling you his experiences. No, yeah. he he felt like we did treat him the same and they're trying yeah. to tell him that wasn't the case.
Yeah, yeah. You, you know, like I felt um, actually the dynamics were, were different because we had some old school values. Like, for example, yeah, you know, I was called racial stuff. You yeah. know, some people were so ignorant. I'm not, I'm not black, yeah. but people even called yeah. me the N word. You know, I remember yeah. growing up, I'm like, at least call me the right thing, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, it's like ignorance on ignorance. Right. Yeah. So uh, I was like, okay, I, you, you dealt with it, but you know, some of these same people would end up becoming your friends. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like my dad, I used to uh, get into fights um, when I was in grade school. So my dad put me in Taekwondo and some of the guys that were bullying me and we were getting, mm. you get into one fight with them. After that fight, you're friends. You, yeah. You're friends. That's what I learned when people yeah. bully me. You fight them, then you're cool. And I think, yeah. well, you had the right approach to, yeah. like, oh, people said racist things. So you yeah. could have just been like, oh, the yeah. racism, racism. But instead, yeah. you're just like, oh, I'll fight them. We'll become yeah. friends. And then yeah. they're not racist. And I think that's yeah. how yeah. that's how we kill racism. Instead yeah. of, like, dwelling on it and make it a big thing, yeah. someone says something ignorant, you yeah. become their friend. And yeah. maybe it's through a fight first when you're kids. Yeah. But that then they're like, oh, these people aren't that bad. There's nothing wrong with Muslims. There's That's that's how people grow together. Instead of being all weird and acting, treating each other different and... Mm. Like you said, you see some of these, like, some of the white liberals I know, they're, they, like, treat, you know, people of different races different. They, like, treat black people different. It's, it's yeah. strange. I treat yeah. everyone exactly the same yeah. regardless of race. I'll never treat anyone different. Mm. But you see people treating people differently by race. And it's, to me, that's racism. You know, one, one thing my dad told me when I was growing up, because mm. he came, he dealt with a lot of racism when he came to, uh, mm. to Canada. He said, listen, everybody's racist. Mm. This is what he told me. He's like, everybody's yeah. racist. You're in a country that's mostly white people. What you yeah. just got to do is you just have to hustle and be exceptional. That's it. This, this is the mentality he put yes. me in. And so because he put me in that mentality, everywhere I went, I'm like, okay, I have to be exceptional. So if I got a job, like I got a, my first job was in a clothing store. I ended up becoming the top salesman mm -hmm. in all of Canada. Like they sent a fax. It was like the guest clothing store yeah. at that time, right? So... I got a fax. I'm like number one, right? Oh, nice. Uh, when we put me in Taekwondo, I got the gold medal for Western Canadian mm -hmm. champion because you put in my mind, you got to be the best, right? Yes. Um, when I wrote the exam for like my, you know, professional school, mm -hmm. you know, 100%, like one of the top, right? So you put it in my mind, you just have to be exceptional. You can't be, he's told me this, if yeah. you, if you and a white guy get the same mark, it's going to go to the white guy. You got to go, yeah, be you better. Gotta, you got to be just better than them, right? Yeah. And so he just put that in my mind because He's not saying it in a way that he like that he's just doing it uh, in a bubble. Like this yeah. only happens in in Canada or United States. Yeah, it happens everywhere. It happens there because when my dad immigrated, he went he immigrated from India to Pakistan, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There was racism for people who immigrated from yeah. India to Pakistan, and there's racism amongst people there. Like they treat each other differently. Oh yeah. You know I mean? Like I said, I've, I've traveled the world a lot, and you know yeah. that's what you realize. People talking about racism, racism. It's like yeah. I'm not gonna say there's no racism in American Canada, but yeah. it's way worse a lot of countries. And you see it as it doesn't matter. Yeah. There'll be black people racing each other, yeah. and like you said, Pakistanis and Indians yeah. racist against each other. It's yeah. not. It's not like a white black thing. Yeah. Something that uh, something I really dislike about America is like you're, you're saying your dad wanted excellence of you. He said people might be racist, so instead yeah. do better. Yeah. What they're doing in a lot of places, they're telling black people, oh, people be racist, so we expect less of, from you. Yeah. So they're doing things in San Francisco, like they're getting rid of algebra, they're making, yeah. they're getting rid of like honors marks, they're yeah. doing things to be like, well, it's not fair because black people aren't scoring as well. Yeah. So instead of telling them to do better, we'll just get rid of it. And that's yeah. the worst possible thing you can do to someone. Yeah. Tell someone we expect less of you. Yeah. You gotta tell people we expect more of them. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I think in tandem, I don't think it's like either or. In tandem, if the system needs like to be changed or bettered, it's a man-made system. Everything yeah. can be improved. Um, so in tandem, it's like, okay, listen, this is how you do personal improvement. 
and you should have this type of mentality. You know what I mean? Like for us as Muslims, when we look at the race issue, for us, what unites us, what can unite humanity is like, no one is better except for in righteousness. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like God, uh, the, and according to the Hadith, uh, you not looked at your outer forms, but what's in your heart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So in that sense, like if you were to go to um, Mecca, for example, if you yeah. went to pilgrimage, mm -hmm. you're going to see billionaires mm -hmm. with people who are just street cleaners together walking together praying shoulder by shoulder side by side one can be black one could be mm -hmm. white and it blows your mind to see how all these people come together different socioeconomic different color everything and they're just praying and bowing together yeah you know? and that's and that's how it should be and that's yeah. you know I, I got a little bit of that it's obviously not praying stuff together but jujitsu yeah. is kind of the same thing it yeah. doesn't matter if you're rich what color you are so it's kind of the same mentality yeah and back to mecca i just had a thought um I know I remember reading Malcolm X. He went yes. to Mecca. And that yes. before he was always, oh, white man and black man can't yeah. live together, blah, blah. You know, yeah. he was a little racist, not saying some, some of it wasn't warranted, yeah. but he had more of a racist yes. attitude. He went to Mecca and then he's kind of like, oh, wait, white people can't be my brother. We can't, yes. we can't have a brotherhood. He saw yeah. through religion that can bring people together. Yeah. And I don't think it's just religion, but there's things that can bring us together for like, uh, mm. for common goals. And that's why sports yeah. is something that does that. It brings us together all, all the same. Religion, yeah. sports, these are things that uh, you pray together, fight together, yeah. and you realize you're all one. Yeah. Uh, you had a, a kind of a big uh, flare up with this racial issue, I guess. Uh, was it maybe four months ago now with uh, this guy, Mike Jackson? Oh, yeah. That guy is a to yeah. total idiot. He called you the N word, but the different N word. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, <laughs> the guy is a complete clown. He, yeah. Uh, he fought in the UFC, probably the worst guy to ever fight in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, he fights it like a. Yeah same way as me i'd never yeah. heard of the guy and yeah. i said something on, something on yeah. twitter yeah and he responds there like oh nazi something or other yeah i don't even know what i tweeted but it had yeah. nothing to do with race or anything yeah. so i was like who is this guy so i looked yeah. him up and saw he's in the ufc so i'm yeah. like all right you want to uh you want to fight and he's like yeah. yeah on site we'll fight we'll, we'll see each other so like yeah. all right on site i yeah. knew him on team eventually and then you know i walked in the pi yeah. and he's sitting there hitting the bag so i'm yeah. like oh let's let's get it and when yeah. i seen him he goes no, no, let's fight in, uh, we're gonna fight in Houston instead. I'm like, nah, we have an agreement on site. And I, yeah. So, you know, I came after him and he's uh, yeah. running, hiding behind the bags. Yeah. People started to stop me because they knew what was going on. So I was like, yeah. all right, whatever. And then he goes, yeah, that's yeah, so I thought, Nazis. Then everyone stepped back, yeah. went over, threw him on the ground, started yeah. slapping him around and it got broken up. Do you feel like um, you were, because if somebody is um, accusing me of something, I don't think I'm bullying him by, by checking him. Do you feel like you were like, is, like targeting this guy or were you checking him because of no, the way he's he, he, he's a bully he goes yeah. around online like, yeah. harassing everyone calling yeah. them like racist and white yeah. privilege yeah the weird part is i looked at his wikipedia he's yeah. three-fourths white one yeah. quarter black he yeah. grew up in a rich all-white area yeah. so it's he feels like guilty or like yeah. lack of something for yeah. growing up so easy so he's yeah. trying to overcompensate by being some uh he has a big black power thing on his chest it's yeah. weird it's this yeah. weird uh He's pushing racial division. Yeah. What he doesn't realize is black people hate him just as much as white people. He thinks yeah. like, oh, black people are gonna take my side. And it's like, no, no one, no one wants racial division. You know, mm. this guy's sitting there trying to claim black power, but he ain't got, he ain't part of no like yeah. crew, yeah. you know? And then you're acting tough like that and you're gonna run when you see me. Yeah. It's like, come on. You know, you know what's interesting is that um, I feel there's become like this victim Olympics. Mm -hmm. Who is the greater victim? You know what I mean? And everybody wants to like compete for who's the best mm -hmm. victim. You know what I mean? Uh, and um, 
it, it really, um, it's like a sliding slope, man. No, it's, it's just trying to push to the bottom. I think, yeah. I think you're 100% right with the victim yeah. Uh, mentality. Yeah. Mike Jackson trying to play, oh, I'm black, I'm a victim. Yeah. You get guys, if they say they're trans, they're a victim. Yeah. Because in the US, I'm sure Canada the same. If you're white, you have like yeah. no victim status. These guys can just say they're trans and all of a sudden they have a victim card. It's, uh, yeah. it's really weird. And that's yeah. why I think a lot of the whole trans push, it's not real. It's these kids trying to be cool because they yeah. say that. They know the teachers will treat them better. Some of the other kids will treat them better. So if they're having a hard time fitting in, they'll just go and identify as trans. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, maybe if... Um you know, when you were beating him, if you were singing some kind of Michael Jackson song, people wouldn't have taken it so hard. You yeah, know, right. just beat it, beat just it, yeah. beat it. And it's like, oh, okay, I get it. Michael Jackson, Mike Jackson. Yeah, right, right. You know, they're just playing around. You know yeah, what I mean? He, he's like one of the most unlikable guys, period, because yeah. like that went like so viral online and like yeah. everyone. Yeah. Still all the time people run into me and be like, oh, thanks for beating that guy up. Yeah. The, I, I don't know how you can just accuse people of that. Like you have obviously mm -hmm. uh, colored friends, you know, yeah. you obviously have like Muslim people you know like we're dealing with each other very comfortably yeah. you know what i mean well, the funny thing is when i ran to mike jackson yeah i was there i think with like a black guy two muslims like a mexican yeah. he was there with like two other white guys not that yeah. that matters yeah. but it's like how are you how do you not realize yeah and then when he's like calling me racist there's a ton of guys online you know black guys Mexican mm -hmm. guys being like uh jake's not racist what are you talking about yeah instead of mike jackson be like oh maybe i should rethink my strategy he yeah. just like doubles down yeah but he's the actual racist he's yeah. just constantly constantly bashing white people which mm -hmm. is weird when he's three-fourths white yeah he's a he's a bizarre individual i'm gonna give you some inside information i know a lot of old school like you know because the muslim community yeah a lot of them african-american mm -hmm. and um like a long history of uh them in the civil rights movement yeah as well right i've uh had podcasts with some of these old school african-american mm -hmm. civil rights guys they did not like the new like this new kind of blm style they categorically didn't like that they felt um that the legitimate civil rights movement was kind of co-opted and hijacked mm -hmm. by this other group that it's like it's a flashpoint for certain things mm -hmm. and they didn't really suffer like they didn't really go through stuff like i know people i i know like there's a, there's an imam in um new york mm -hmm. imam siraj wahaj right he's really famous mm -hmm. he went to like neighborhoods and cleaned them up yeah, you, you understand what I'm saying? Things, yeah. Like he, he, like he, he made a change. Mm -hmm. Now the opposite, you're making neighborhoods worse. You're making mm -hmm. neighborhoods like drug addicts everywhere. Mm -hmm. He, he talked about like the police would come to them, Muslims, and say, okay, uh, can you help clean this up? Like there's these gang members here. Can you, can you deal with them? Mm -hmm. And they would go and clean this up. And these were people who were part of the civil rights movement. So they say we don't like the way that these guys carry themselves. Yeah, because they don't like the victim mentality. And yeah. that's, you know, back to Malcolm X, he was yeah. huge on, we, you know, we got to do stuff for ourselves. You can't just play a victim. Yeah. You got to go out and make the change you want, you know, stop yeah. doing drugs, clean your neighborhoods up, work yeah. hard. Yeah. You can't just cry a victim and expect things to change. You yeah. got to go out and do the change. Yeah. Would you fight Mike Jackson and BKFC? Sure. <laughs> Easy money. <laughs> I, I know people want to see it because everyone wants to see that guy get beat up. Uh, who, who would you want to fight more, Mike Jackson or Paula Harris in BKFC? Probably Mike Jackson. <laughs> Easy payday. Yeah, the, guy, yeah. the guy sucks. Yeah, yeah. He's probably the worst guy to ever fight in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. Paul Harris is actually a good fighter and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like him either, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. That's another uh, uh, crazy thing. We talked about earlier, but get, I want to get on yeah. camera. What do you think about uh, Khabib flying? Like, he, he, uh, in a way, he's reacting to some of the 
you know, bullying and taunts that, you know, he, he, he went through with the buildup for the Conor fight. But what did you think about when Khabib, after the Conor fight, flew out of the ring, out of the octagon? Um, octagon? As a fighter and fan, I loved it. I know that yeah. wasn't the popular thing to say yeah, at the yeah. time. I was, uh, you know, I went on Twitter after the fight and then everyone was bashing him. All the yeah. fighters, the journalists, I'm thinking like, whoa, is my, uh, yeah. is my thinking out of touch with reality? Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, when I went out in the real world, you know, because a lot yeah. of people recognized me walking around the next yeah. day. Everyone was coming up to me. Yeah. They didn't know who Khabib was, but they're like, did you see that fight last night? Yeah. That Russian guy, that was the coolest thing I seen. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm not the one out of touch. The, yeah. the journalists are out of touch. You know, they yeah. disrespected him. They, yeah. uh, they talked about his family, religion. There's a yeah. few things you leave out of shit talking. You know, yeah. you don't disrespect someone's, yeah. I think you disrespect it was his dad or his wife and like yeah. maybe both. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. come on, there's certain things you just don't touch. Yeah, I think it was just building mm -hmm. up. Uh, he controlled himself and then finally... Uh, I felt this, and then I saw him in an interview say this as well. Like, he said after, like, he, mm -hmm. he submitted uh, Connor, he's like, this is it? Yeah. Like, he's like, that's it? Like, this is all, like, it built up so to? So much adrenaline. So he, he still had that in. And so mm -hmm. I think when he saw, you know, um, it was D Dylan, Dylan Dennis, Dennis, right? He jumped like, over four, yeah, went yeah, after him. He was, like, still, um, you know, yeah. talking smack mm -hmm. to him outside the ring. Then he just, like... He still had energy. Oh, yeah. Like you could, you just like flew out, you know, out of there, right? I, I can majorly relate to that as a yeah. fighter. Sometimes yeah. we have just so much adrenaline, especially yeah. if the fight goes fast. That after the fight, yeah. you kind of do crazy things because you just have this adrenaline rushing through you. Yeah. If you haven't been in a fight like that, you couldn't understand. And uh, yeah. I was a part of extremely famous brawl myself with yeah. after the Dan Henderson fight yeah. with uh, <laughs> with uh, Mayhem Miller yeah. and the Scrap Pack. That was, yeah. uh, you know, that might be the famous, most famous brawl of all time in MMA. So oh, I can, wait, I can definitely like, relate. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy, mm -hmm. actually. Yeah. Um, how do you think, you know, you coach, uh, Javed Bashara, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Um, how do you think he handled himself when he was called by, uh, Callan, he was called a yeah, terrorist. This was the Dana yeah. White contender series, right? It's about a year ago. Yeah. I thought he handled himself excellent because yeah. the way in the guy came in and called him a terrorist and Java just kind of blew it off and yeah. didn't even make a big deal of it. And yeah. I thought it was great. He could have he could have gone the victim card of like, oh, how did he do this to me? But he's just yeah. like, eh, whatever. People called me that at school when I was a kid. It wasn't yeah. a big deal. It's like, yeah. you know, who, who cares? I'm going to beat his ass tomorrow. And he yeah. went in there and just smoked him. And I think yeah. uh, he showed a lot. He showed the showed how you handle it. Just, yeah. just ignore it and come and beat the guy up. You don't need to like yeah. play a victim. Just, you know, people sometimes say things you don't like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he definitely let his uh, game do the talking. Like mm -hmm. he, he, he dominated him from the start to the finish. And uh, you know, part of me is like, you know, he was really controlled. He was really stoic. Uh, he showed like, you know, he got the finish. Uh, and then the part, the other part is like, how much do you try to change? Because you can't call. You know, there's some people you yeah. can't call stuff. So it's like, either we get to call everybody whatever mm -hmm. we want, or we say, hey, these are certain limits. Yeah. Don't go beyond that, like, or else there has to be some type of consequences. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I, don't, I, I mean, I hate people saying that type of stuff, yeah. but I think, you know, I think it's a tricky one. You know, I yeah. think it, I'm, I'm glad Dana didn't pull the fight because that yeah. would have screwed Java yeah. too. No, no, I don't think he should have yeah, pulled yeah. the fight. But I don't think but, you should say that stuff. Yeah, I know yeah, some yeah. people were trying to get like Dana to pull the fight after yeah. he said that, but it's like, no, yeah, let yeah. the guy fight. I think yeah. it gets a little tricky too because when we fight people, sometimes we say things that we don't necessarily mean because you're trying yeah. to get in the guy's head. You're yeah, trying to, yeah. you're making yourself hate someone. So there is another side to it too. Especially I, with fighting, right? Yeah, so it gets a little tricky with fighter. I think that's why a lot of fighters can blow things off that yeah. other people can't. It's like, yeah. I'm going to fight this guy. I'm not going to freak out. He called me something I don't yeah. like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think fighters are more independent thinkers compared to other 
athletes even yeah definitely and i i wasn't so aware of that until the last few years but you know see when covid came and the blm and all this stuff yeah. came through it seems like most fighters for the most part you know didn't go along with the narrative you yeah. know i think fighting for about a month a lot of guys stopped training and everyone's like oh i'm gonna train through it when other sports were down for like a, a good year mm. and the blm even too there was a couple fighters that did it and, and i'm certainly not against any guy that wants to do that you know i have no problems with the guy if he wants to go nil or whatever but for the most part it wasn't pushed on fighters including yeah. including all the, you know the black fighters and stuff because yeah. i think they feel there's not really any racism in fighting yeah. you can't say none because you know there's always gonna be race little bits of racism places but yeah. for the most part everyone's 100 percent equal you yeah. know when you're in there bleeding with someone it's yeah. that that's your equal you can't look at them anymore or any less than you even with other stuff like you know nfl the world will they'll wear the pink ribbon or like with the soccer world cup everyone's got to wear the it yeah. became a big issue with qatar and the the rainbow yeah. flag and stuff like that mm -hmm. right but it seems like none of that is there with fighting you know what i mean yeah, I'm so fortunate because stuff has changed so much in yeah. the last like five or six years. And yeah. this whole woke virus has not reached fighting at all. You know, yeah. I never realized like how different fighters were because it's just yeah. who I was always around. But yeah. it's, it's nice seeing that, you know, that we think independently. And yeah, the whole rainbow flag push is just too heavy. Like I, said, yeah. I don't care if someone's gay, but to try to tell someone to wear a rainbow flag and to try to bring it in Qatar, who's that's not part of their custom, they don't want it there. It's just a weird, mm. we're pushing it too heavy. Just let mm. people do, do what they want to do. We don't need to like push it on the world. Yeah. You're um, on a segue into your career. You've had like a legendary MMA career. Uh, you started in 99, right? Yeah, your, so yeah, yeah, the first fight. Uh, you fought in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, you never, you, you didn't fight in Pride though, eh? No, okay. I was. Um, unfortunately, I never fought in Pride. I wish I had, but I was yeah. fighting over in Shudo at the time, which yeah. was uh, Pride wasn't really having my weight class when I was over there. Oh, so Shudo okay. and Pancrase did. Then yeah. they started having my weight class after yeah. I switched out. So yeah, man, I don't know if the Yakuza ruined everything or what, but man, <laughs> I, 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 one of my goals in life was to go to the Super Saitama Arena yeah. and see fight there. You know what I mean? Like there was yeah, I got legendary. to go corner Gil Melendez in one, which is awesome. It was so yeah. cool. I mean, Shudo yeah. and Pancrase was amazing too, but yeah. Pride had just more hype. Pride was yeah. really the yeah. really the hype. You know, they would have a hundred thousand people at some of the arenas, and it yeah. was. Fighting was massive in Japan. Yeah. Remember back in the day, it was like yeah. a lot of the more of the top fighters were going to Japan than the US. It was yeah. like, oh, I made it to Japan. And yeah. then the scene just completely collapsed out of there. I yeah. think it was uh, some kind of Yakuza scandal, yeah. uh, scandal. They got it dropped off TV. And the way Japanese culture is, I guess, yeah. you know, they kind of were told yeah. we're not watching this anymore. And they kind of just yeah. stopped watching it. Yeah. Which is sad because they had some amazing fighters. Like mm -hmm. in, my, in my mind, I think one of the craziest creative fighters i've ever seen with sakuraba oh yeah amazing he's uh he's a yeah. legend yeah yeah it was um for a long time it was yeah. the three top countries were uh america brazil and japan yes and they were like i don't think japan was probably ever one but they were yeah. in the top three you know yeah. and it was you know it, they were always fighting for the top and then yeah. japan just fell way off they don't have you know no top guys anymore yeah which yeah. is sad you know they never had that many big heavyweights i didn't think naturally japanese guys aren't going to be as big but yeah. they had some of the best lightweights you know yeah hayato sakurai fought over there ranked yes. number two of the world um yeah. sato gomi they have yeah. a you know aoki there was yeah. tons of uh yeah. tons of top japanese fighters uh nick diaz you know beat gomi in an awesome fight gil yeah. melendez beat aoki in an awesome fights so we yeah. were lucky to fight in a lot of these uh japanese legends yeah 100 percent um at one point you had like what a 15 16 fight yeah winning before, streak. before gsp yeah before gsp um you fought the who's who in the fighting game what would you say like so you fought like a big career mm -hmm. what would you say now that you know what you know if you could go back in time and tell your young self starting out what advice would you give your young self starting out 
maybe just pick my fights a little better because I would just yeah. fight anyone. So I would fight yeah. all the toughest, the toughest guys. Yeah. I don't really regret that either because yeah. you know I fought and like if you look at my record, I fought in like no, yeah. no padded at all. Like every, everyone's a top yeah. fighter, so I don't regret that. But yeah. some of the guys now, I'll try to like, hey, maybe get a few easy fights before you start fighting the best guys. Yeah. What do you think is the highlight of your career? It's hard to say. I have so many, you know, yeah. I think I'll beat like five UFC champs, you know, yeah. beating fight. Even though I lost GSP was crazy. Yeah. Beating guys like Dan Henderson, you know, yeah. Tyrone Woodley, Sakurai, yeah. you know, Rumble in the Rock tournament. It was because uh, didn't you take um, a pay cut to go into UFC? Yeah, I took a pay cut, which, you know, it's unfortunate. But a lot yeah. of guys end up taking pay cuts to the UFC, which yeah. kind of sucks. You know, it's like the biggest show in the world. You have yeah. to take a pay cut, but it's also yeah. you're getting more exposure. Yeah. But some of these at the time, you know, Strike Force was paying really well. Yeah. Now you have Bellator paying really well. Yeah. Thing with the UFC though, the champs usually make a little more money, but yeah. a lot of, if you're not a champ, a lot of times these other shows are paying better. Yeah. Um, UFC 129 had a stacked card, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Hominick and Aldo, you had Couture and um, uh, uh, Machida, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then of course you and GSP. What was that experience like? <laughs> Man, it was completely crazy. It yeah. was, uh, Sold out arena, 55,000 people, yeah. the largest attendance of, of all time by then. And yeah. it was, the whole city was just buzzing, completely yeah. sold out. Everyone was trying to find tickets. Everywhere I would walk, I would get swarmed. I mean, I'm like a small celebrity, but there I was like an A-lister. I couldn't walk around the city. I had yeah. to have like security to keep people off me. It was like, wow, this is, yeah. this is nuts. Yeah. And, you know, walking out and we're walking out, you look up the crowd, you're like, whoa, you know, a regular stadium holds about... 12 to 15,000. This is like 60,000 almost. So four At that time, four it was times. the biggest, right? The Gate biggest ever, attendance yeah. mm -hmm. at that time. And I think it's still one of the top yeah, 10. Yeah, I think we right? got passed up by something in Australia. Yeah. I think the Gate was more, though, still. Yeah, yeah. I think this recent one uh, with Adesanya and Pereira, mm -hmm. it uh, is now number one. Oh, with attendance? Yeah, yeah, with attendance. But uh, at that time, man, there was nothing yeah. close. Like, you guys blew everyone out of the water. Yeah, it was crazy, too. And just, like, the hype around it, too. It was yeah. just, like, it was the first one. And uh, it was a perfect, you know, yeah. perfect storm of things coming yeah. together. It was the first one, first time legal in Canada. Yeah. You know, great, great fight card. Super hyped. You know, the Toronto were huge fight fans. Yeah. And it was just nuts up there. Would you prepare any differently than you did? Yeah, I think I prepared good. I think I maybe would have started pushing the fight a little more aggressive a little earlier. Okay. I ended up winning the last two rounds, but lost yeah. the first three. So yeah. I just think maybe I need a little more confidence, be a little more aggressive early on. Yeah. And GSP is an amazing fighter, though. He's yes. not an easy guy to yeah. easy guy to hit, easy guy to take down. So he's a really tough guy to fight. So I think I started really putting it on the last two rounds. Mm. Is he your GOAT? Probably, man. It's hard to see who's better than GSP. Yeah. You know, he's the complete package. Yeah, because I saw I saw um, a tweet where uh, so, uh, you know somebody was asking who's your goat, and uh, you you said GSP, and um, then I saw another tweet, and mm -hmm. I'm just gonna read it out because to me these stories are like gems. Mm -hmm. You know, because th these are real stories that I think like so many people can benefit from. Um, you said a few years ago I was in uh, NYC to train jujitsu under John Danaher. A snowstorm hit, so I ended up having to walk part way. When I got to the gym, the only other student there was GSP. The majority will make any excuse they can to stay average. Some of his other well-known students, like Gary Tonin and Gordon Ryan, lived a two-hour drive, so had a good excuse. But he had close to 100 students that could have walked. Yeah, that was interesting to me because it was a snowstorm hit when I was in New York. I just yeah. moved there. It was a pretty big snowstorm, but it yeah. never even crossed my mind not to go to the gym. You yeah. know, I ended up having to walk 
train was still running and then I ended yeah. up having to walk, you know, a half mile. It was, yeah, my feet were soaked, but never even crossed my mind. And I walked in, the gym was just totally empty. Yeah. And then I think it was just John. He's just, he was like disappointed that no one was there. Cause yeah. the way he is, he's like, I can't believe like yeah. people used to walk through the snow and they're not going to come for a snowstorm. Yeah. And, you know, I think GSP came right after me and he's, John's like, Oh, what a surprise. The two, you know, yeah. guys are in the fights are the only guy that show up kind of yeah. tells you something. I did, like I said, I added to the tweet. I wanted to say, cause Gary Tonin, I'm sure Gordon Ryan probably, yeah. probably would have been there if it wasn't for the drive. They yeah. sort of walk through the snow. Yeah. They just had yeah. a different situation. So yeah. those guys had the same yeah. work ethic though. They would yeah. drive, you know, two hours every day, get there at like seven in the morning and basically stay there all day and train. Yeah. But that's how you become great. You don't yeah. just become great by doing what other people are doing. Yeah. You have to, you have to do more. Mm. So I think people, you know, if someone at like people, sometimes people ask me, should I be a fighter? My answer is always no. If someone has to come to me and ask, should they be a fighter? You certainly shouldn't. You have yeah. to be utterly obsessed with it. Yeah. You have to be doing, willing to do more than anyone else will do. Mm. So if you have to ask me if you should do it, you're not obsessed enough to, you know, yeah. I never asked anyone if I should be a fighter. Yeah. Instead, I asked people for help. Yeah. You know, in yeah. my training and stuff. It was like, hey, I'm going to do this. Can you help train with me? Yeah. Help show me things, help teach me. So, so did you end up uh, rolling with GSP that day? Oh yeah, we trained. We ended up training a good amount together. Wow! I was living in New York, and then you know John. I would have loved trained to be him. a fly on that wall. Yeah, and we trained a lot. I think it was just yeah. the two of us. So imagine, yeah. we trained like you know probably like two hours as the two of us. <laughs> Man, that's like so legendary. You know what that reminds mm -hmm. me of? Is remember in um, Rocky two or is it Rocky three, where Apollo and uh, Rocky? They I don't know if you met if you I haven't watched him in so long. Yeah, so I don't know. There's there's one scene where um, they both have one and one, right? Because yeah. Rocky won Rocky two and Apollo won Rocky one. So mm -hmm. after Rocky three, he beats Mr. T, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just both of them in the gym to settle who's the best. <laughs> it's like no one knows, it's just them. Yeah, no, that was- You know what I mean? <laughs> that was great. You know, I got to train with GSP quite a bit after, yeah. you know, became good friends. We worked out quite a bit. Yeah. It helped him a little bit when he uh, fought yeah. Bits being. So it yeah. was, you know, a lot of times it's hard to become friends with someone after you fought him, but he's yeah. a guy I always respected a lot. And yeah. you know, I was living in New York training under John Donahue. Yeah. John actually trained GSP when he fought me, so that was interesting. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I went New Year, went to New Year, stopped by his gym, and it was such a great gym. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna move out here for a year or two and train. Nice iron sharp sharpens yeah. iron, right? And that's and that's another thing you gotta you know. For me, I wanted to get better jiu-jitsu time, so I moved across the country to New York for a yeah. couple of years to train. Yeah, you know, I, I always went and sought the best people out. You know, I yeah. moved to San Francisco, wrestling scholarship, mm. but the best gym around was Caesar Gracie's, an hour away. That's yeah. where Nick, Nick and Nate, or Nick was training. Nate yeah. wasn't training yet. David yeah. Trell. So I would drive an hour every day wow. af after school to go train. Mm. You have to do the sacrifices if you want to be great at something. And do you feel this generation is losing that? Um, I mean. Yes and no. I mean, for the yeah. most part, guys won't do the extra, but the guys that are champs and, and winning you know, the stuff for the most part are. There yeah. may be a few guys that are crazy gifted that can glide through yeah. to a title, but for the most yeah. part, the guys that you're seeing that are winning everything still have that crazy work ethic. Yeah. yeah I, there's definitely still that elite that do that. It's just, you know, sometimes it's like the society as a general when they mm -hmm. kind of understand, hey, this is part of the mathematical equation mm -hmm. for success. You need to put in the work because it seems like everybody is looking for that shortcut, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, this is actually a perfect example. I um, mentioned Javed Boshfet earlier. He yeah. came out here to um, fight in the, uh, with the Contender Series. Yes. And one of my friends, who's also Afghan, because he's an Afghani, he goes, hey, will you, this guy, he helped train me, Tarek Azim. He's like, hey, will you help these uh, kids out? They're really good from Afghanistan. Yeah. So I'm just like, yeah, sure, the guy's a really good friend. My yeah. friend asked for a favor, I'll do it. Mm. And I think he told those kids, like, hey, Jake's gonna help, help. I don't think these kids really expected much, you know, yeah. but I 
met with him. I liked him. We ended up training yeah. every day for a couple of weeks, cornered him. He won the fight. Next yeah. thing you know, he comes back, moves out here to train. Wow. He saw an opportunity. He's like, oh, training's better here than England. Yeah. I'm going to take my life, take my, take my brother. You know, his brother's Farad Basharat also in the UFC. Yes. Yeah. He made the UFC after. Mm. So they saw like, hey, this is the best training right now. I'm going to pack my stuff, move across the world and train. Yeah. So people still do make the sacrifices. It's just, yeah. these are the guys that get to the top and great. You know, I yeah. think Javid's 14, 15 and 0 now, yeah. Farage, you know, 12, 13 and 0. Yeah. These guys put in the extra work. And, you know, I think part of that also, again, uh, that mentality of, of those people who do make the sacrifices, it's different, right? Because they lived, um, you know, they had to emigrate from what yeah. I know their story, they had to emigrate to Pakistan, Peshawar. You know, you're kind of living almost as refugees. Yeah. Your dad had to hustle, work hard. So it's like you're always like working hard. You're always hustling. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, you kind of don't take for granted any of these opportunities. You know what I mean? Yeah. As they call it, like the immigrant mentality, which it's yeah. a real thing. You know, yeah. luckily I, you know, not immigrant, but I grew up with that same mentality. Yeah. I had to work hard for anything yeah. I ever wanted. And these guys have the, the mentality, you know, they're actually not to how old, but no, they actually lived in Afghanistan for a while. So yeah. they're not, they weren't even just born in the UK. Yeah. They, yeah. They, you know, lived up. They were born in Afghanistan. I think then they went to, like, because of the war, they went mm -hmm. to Pakistan. Yes, yeah, so they literally, you know, were through the war up in the mountains, living in yeah. these, like, crazy spots. They yeah. have actually seen, you know, different cultures. Yeah, yeah. But you know, when I, I look at your history, though, you may, then, you, you may not have come from a different country, but what I read, you, you know, to go visit your best friend, you had to walk like 45 minutes away. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like nothing was kind of like easy. Nothing was easy, I guess. You know what yeah. I mean? And you had also some hardships growing up and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And you had to hustle, you had to work hard. Uh, I think people don't understand or appreciate the struggle, what it does for you. Yeah. Right? Or think, what pain does for you. I think men need it for the most part. I mean, yeah. not all. There's some guys that grow up yeah. super rich, end up becoming more successful. But I think a yeah. lot of times those guys have dads that are very um, hard on them. They make them work. Yeah. They don't just let them. They don't just hand them money to do what they want. Yeah. Some of these guys, you know, they're, they're super rich. They don't want to work hard. They just take their yeah. parents' money, go yeah. out and partying and doing drugs. Yeah. No work ethic. So the guys that do grow up rich that I've noticed, they become yeah. more successful. Their dads were always riding them, making them do yeah. stuff, making them go, making them go work with them, teaching yeah. them the business and stuff. Yeah. And that's an advantage. If you obviously, if you have a, you know, really rich dad teaching you the business, yeah. but if he makes you work, that's going to be a huge advantage you have. Yeah. But some of these guys don't want to work and they just want to cruise through. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And, uh, and then it comes back. Honestly, I, I think it comes back better to you than any other investment that you can make. Mm -hmm. You make those investments in your kid. I remember one time we were sitting and then, um, they were asking my dad, um, you know, this other, uh, friend and we call them uncles, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, this uncle is asking him, Oh, what do you have? What you've done for your retirement? What kind of investment have yeah. you done for your retirement? And then he just like points like me it's like that's it right and it's right. true like i'm i'm gonna take care of him financially yeah. physically whatever mm -hmm. you need i'm gonna be taking care of him because he had nothing he hustled yeah. whatever he did he provided for me and i'm gonna do that even to this day man mm -hmm. to this day he supports like if, if, if like with my brother's kids or anybody he's there to drive them pick them up like yeah. You don't get that man anymore. You know, no, that's something I respect a lot. I've noticed about of other cultures, like yeah. um, different, a lot of different cultures yeah. other than the West. They take care of their elders a lot better than we do. A yeah. lot of times here, they kind of just leave our elders, don't take yeah. care of them. Yeah. A lot of these countries, you know, a lot of the Asian cultures too, they'll provide for them, take yeah. care of them. You see yeah. this, you're like, oh, it sucks that the yeah. West is pushed away. I mean, yeah. they they take care of us as kids. It's kind of like we owe them to help take care of them as they're older. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred um, percent. So at this point, are you retired? Um, I never officially retired, yeah. so it's it's possible I'd hop in and do one more. I yeah. kind of uh, 
I kind of wish you could do like a, a send off fight where you leave the gloves in the cage. Yeah, possibly. I might yeah. do one more, but I don't know yeah. if I'd ever officially retire. Cause then if yeah. I do that, then it's like, what if I want to do another one? Yeah. Yeah. I just think for a while I fought so many, like 20 years straight, no real breaks. I just got burnt out. So yeah. physically I still felt like I could do it. I just mentally didn't have any push my last couple fights. Yeah. So that's, but I would maybe hop in for one more, especially if it's someone, you know, yeah. I'm not trying to like be a world champion anymore, but yeah. I would maybe the right, the right opponent, another big yeah. name guy that's been in the game forever, hop in and fight. Yeah. What are your thoughts about how Khabib retired? He, he said it's because he wanted to listen to his mother. What are your thoughts yeah, about I that? Yeah, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. I think he yeah. retired right at the peak of his career, so yeah. he looked amazing. He walked away right at top. Yeah, yeah. Probably a smart thing because it's like yeah. his last couple of fights, he smoked the guys too. Yeah. And when you're fighting at that top level, you're going to have some tough fights, you know? Yeah. Like, he might have kept winning, but he probably would have had a couple fights that were cl close decisions, yeah. and guys would have been like, "Oh, he didn't finish the guy," so he probably yeah. would have got criticized. So he actually Although probably he, he was getting better. He finished Connor in round four, yeah. uh, Poirier in round three, Gaethje in round that's two. What I'm he left. So a, he's he, like that's four, what I'm three, he, he left at a perfect time before <laughs> yeah. he had one go the distance and stuff. Yeah. He got because yeah. yeah. guys like GSP, Anderson Silva, they're always criticized for oh they're being boring, they're not finishing their fights. Yeah, it's so hard to stay on top, not that's finish true. every fight, and yeah. who knows? And that's part of me. Wishes he would have fought more because yeah. he was looking so dominant yeah. and I wanted to see a couple more dominant performances. But part of me is like, oh, maybe that was really smart to walk away when you're looking so dominant. Yeah. Because there's only so long you can stay yeah. on top looking that dominant. Yeah. So it probably was extremely smart to walk away right at yeah. the peak. No one really, it's so hard to do that. Guys yeah. very rarely walk away. Yeah. GSP did, but guys rarely walk away like in a win on top like that. Yeah. They always want to do one more. You seem to be enjoying coaching though, because it, from what I've heard of what you've said, you like you don't even, it's not even the money thing for you. It's not, you don't make a lot of money from the coaching. You're very selective with the fighters yeah, that you choose. You can choose. Yeah, yeah, you're very selective with that, but it seems like you're enjoying that. I really enjoy it. It's like a way... It's hard walking away from fighting because yeah. that's been part of my life. So it keeps me involved with fights. When you're cornering someone, yeah. it's very similar to the rush of going out there and fighting. Yeah. I do their camps with them. Like I said, yeah, I'm very selective with who I fight yeah. or who I coach because yeah. I want guys that are super dedicated yeah. trying to be the champ. I'm not yeah. trying to train guys that their goal is to get to the UFC. And that's yeah. a lot of fighters. Their goal yeah. is to make it to the UFC. And that's fine if that's your goal, but yeah. I don't want to put my time into training those people. I want to yeah. train guys that are trying to be uh, UFC champions. Okay. I want to end off with talking about um, uh, some of the topics that our Muslim community can connect with. Mm. Um, you fasted the first day of Ramadan. Yeah, correct? yeah, just one day. So, so someone, I had a couple people be like, "Oh, do you the whole Ramadan?" Yeah. I'm like, "No, no, yeah. I did not do the whole Ramadan. I did, I, yeah. I did one day." Yeah, I want to be clear about that. Yeah, and some people misunderstood that. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to. You know, I have so many good Muslim friends and yeah. guys going to do it. I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna fast for a day," and it's tough. It's, yeah, the water is what's really tough. Yeah. Especially I'm a coffee drinker. Yes. So the morning I was like, oh, no coffee. Yeah. And then by, uh, by late afternoon, I was like so thirsty. Yeah. The food, I mean, obviously you get hungry, but I, I feel like that kind of, uh, yeah. you can kind of ignore the hunger. I'm used to like dieting and stuff, but the thirst definitely, uh, I mean, I've cut weight for fighting, so obviously I can do it, but you're yeah. like, all right, this is tough for, uh, for 30 days. You have to really kind of like yeah. change, you're taking it serious. You got to kind of change your life around, which is why some of these guys like go home and won't fight through Ramadan. Cause they mm -hmm. know it's, you got to kind of, you know, not, not use as much energy. Yeah, and there's also additional stuff during that month. Like we'll have night prayers, you know. Yeah. So we'll go to the mosque after we break our fast, and they'll be like maybe for a few, a few yeah. hours praying at night. And then the goal is also to kind of finish the whole Quran during the month of Ramadan yeah. too. 
Uh, so d would you say like you just wanted to experience how it's like or kind of like solidarity with some of your Muslim friends? I was just more curious to go, curious, oh, I know yeah. a lot of these guys are doing it. Yeah. And I've like, I used to fast a lot of times, you know, what, one of my really good friends yeah. was Muslim. So we've yeah. been Ramadan, you yeah. know, well, if I was in training camp, I wouldn't fast because it's tough, obviously. But yeah. some days, you know, who beatings, so I'm like, oh, I'll just fast with them. Yeah. So I've like kind of done it before, but okay. maybe I would have cheated it with a couple sips this time. Oh, I'm like, okay. oh, I'm going to like fully. Uh, full, full do it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough, especially after yeah. you worked out. I'm just like, oh, I need, need yeah. water. Do you think you could last in a month? Oh, yeah, I could. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's not easy, but yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm mentally tough. I definitely could. You yeah. just have to change your lifestyle a little bit. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's actually one of the things that helps um, keep Islam and Muslims like so pure and so serious with religion. Yeah. The people that actually do Ramadan, it's such a serious dedication yeah. that if you're putting in that kind of sacrifice, you're going to have a, you're gonna have to take your religion seriously because yeah. it is a big sacrifice. I think mm -hmm. that's they're asking a lot for, or it's asking a lot from you. So it makes you, mm -hmm. if you're going to do it, you better take your religion seriously. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people, it's counterintuitive. Like they mm -hmm. think, oh, it's almost like a punishment you have to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Muslims, they yeah. look forward to that every year. Yeah, it's not like, I wouldn't see it as a punishment. It's like um, maybe a cleansing. I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know the whole details yeah. of the purpose of Ramadan, to be honest. Yeah. I just yeah. know it's something they do for what, 30 days, right? Or is yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's 29 or 30. It's yeah. lunar month. So it depends on the yeah. Yeah, cycle. So, yeah, no, I know like in the summer, it's much, much harder than the winter. Yeah, so it's it's been moving up, right? So every year, because it mm -hmm. goes by a lunar month, so every year it's like 10 days earlier. Yeah. And so then like eventually go back, yeah. you know, to summer. But right now it's so starting to get a little bit easier easier now it's yeah yeah to. it feels like i'm cheating now because when you did the yeah. summer months you know summer, I mean? yeah it's so brutal yeah and then now it's uh, it's it's really easy but you know what's amazing is my kids mm -hmm. it's not obligated on them to, yeah. to fast they're too young but they're they fight with us they hold out most of the day they want to they want to mm -hmm. fast they want to fast and they want to go then at night to, mm -hmm. to the mosque right and a lot of times when people are like oh, how do you do this especially with the water you know, uh, analogy I, g I give is like a, a fighting analogy. Yeah. I say, listen, if someone were to tell you, listen, uh, you know, you got to now train every day. Mm -hmm. If you're sore, you got to train. Uh, if uh, you're injured, you still got to work through it. Mm -hmm. You got to watch your diet. You got to cut weight. You got to be prepared to have people punch you in the face, kick yeah. you in the liver. Do you think an average person is willing to do that? No. No. But once you make that mental switch, mm -hmm. I'm a fighter you're able to do all that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you embrace that, right? So same thing, I tell them with, with like, um, you might be able to physically yeah. go through that month, but uh, if you make that switch in your mind that this is a connection with God, yeah, then the whole experience changes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think you appreciate it a lot more because yeah. you're giving some serious sacrifices to be closer to God. It's, it, yeah. you, are, you are giving up, you know, you are sacrificing yeah. something. It's th things, that are, things that are easy often mm -hmm. aren't appreciated. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the community, like with what the Muslim community has endured, um, you know, since 9-11 in the West, right? Yeah. In the West, um, you have a group and, and I don't think I have to even uh, specifically label it, but you have a group that demonize Muslims as mm -hmm. being terrorists. Um, they would, doesn't matter how innocent the Muslim was, it's mm -hmm. like, no, there's something wrong with them. You know, that, that Muslim is lying. They're, mm -hmm. they're trying to hide their true intentions. All Muslims can lie for the faith. Like there's big, a lot of big mm -hmm. pundits who are, you know, spewing that rhetoric. And um, they helped like spur this war abroad and at home against Muslims, yeah. right? Then you had another group that they accepted Muslims if we lobotomized ourselves. Yeah, you couldn't it, think independently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I couldn't be a traditional Muslim mm -hmm. uh, 
on the outside, it could look like a traditional Muslim. Yeah. Oh, you can wear a hijab. That's oh, but that's a pretty hijab. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty little hat. And you can have, you can look on the outside as a Muslim, but the inside, it's like you got to get out all your traditional stuff, yeah, they right? Want, to be they want you to think like them, right? So you got two things, and Malcolm X has talked about this, like the wolf and the fox, right? Mm -hmm. And so we appreciate somebody who like looks at us, like, hey, this is who we are, mm -hmm. traditional Muslims and are willing to engage with us without that distorted lens. Yeah. I want to tell you, like, we really appreciate that. Why is that? Like, why did you look at us and like, because I see the way that you engage, it's actually way more respectful yeah. than some of these condescending. Like, I, I yeah. swear, to, I swear oh, yeah. some of these people, they say they're so enlightened <laughs> and they say that, well, we were like, we care about minorities, but they're very condescending, man. Exactly. They're they want, very they want condescending. You to think a certain way. Exactly. You know, I think right? I'm always just trying to open minded about everything, try to observe yeah. everything carefully. And also, you know, I have some, some of my really closest friends are Muslims. So I yeah. see the positive in that side. Yeah. And, you know, I may fell for it a little bit after like 9-11 the yeah. put the rhetoric was so heavy of like oh terrorists you know like bush and yeah you know i think a lot of um unfortunately a lot of people from the right were pushing the anti anti-islam rhetoric and i think yeah. that's starting to you know the last five six years i think that's starting to change i think yeah. a lot of people on the right are seeing like oh wait muslims share our values yeah. and before the left was always the ones like you said like oh we want muslim friends this and that and they're starting to be like oh we our values aren't the same as the muslims i think yeah. it's it's weird how things kind of switch up. That's why, you know, I guess left and right, it's kind of pointless when you when you call things by names like that and put yeah. them in categories because yeah. it's kind of switching who's becoming more accepting of the Muslims. At least yeah. that's how I'm viewing it. Yeah. And and for us as, as, as a Muslim, mm -hmm. we never look at ourselves as left or right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Malcolm X said it best. He's like, I'm not a Democrat mm -hmm. and I'm not a Republican. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, for us, we want to try to live our values with God. And that might mean supporting one guy who has like yeah. these other types of views that but he's more closer to the truth mm -hmm. for us it's it's seeking the truth and whoever is closer to the truth yeah you know I mean? he said even though i'm not religious i couldn't agree more i'm not yeah. i don't jump to either party I, I i look and be like who yeah. who am i most aligned with you know yeah at the moment it tends to be more republicans even though i don't like a lot about the republicans it's just yeah. there's so much lunacy with the democrats you know yeah. the whole LGBT uh, cult thing. It's just, just too much. And I think yeah. that's a lot of things that's turning a lot of Muslims away. They don't want their kids yeah. being told it's okay to you know be yeah. gay and trans and all yeah. this stuff. And, and I think, you know what, uh, as, as a society, we gotta stop putting our hopes and dreams in politicians. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know what that's, I mean? That's a big part of it. Yeah. The politicians, yeah. for the most part, are screwing us. They're out, yeah. out for themselves to get money. We need to build our own communities, our own cultures. It's a lot more than, yeah. I mean, politicians do make a difference, but yeah. I think we, we think they do a lot more than they actually do. That's yeah. kind of funny when yeah. I see guys like whoever's the president is, they're like crying, throwing timber tantrums. I'm like, does the president really affect your life that much? It doesn't yeah. affect my life that much. Yeah. Whoever, you know, it makes a slight difference, you know, maybe yeah. they'll lower the taxes or raise the taxes a little bit. But for the most part, I'm out working, building my own life. The presidents and politicians make a small difference. Yeah. What, what about Islam appeals to you? Um, I like a lot about it, you know, like a lot of it is just the communities, the way people mm. I've been treated really good by the Muslim community. Mm. It's like my friends. Then I did a couple of tweets that really weren't even that positive. But just yeah. the reaction I got was uh, kind of crazy. The amount of like DMs of like Muslims reaching out, trying to like, hey, if you ever have any questions, it's so welcoming. If you yeah. ever have any questions about it, not no yeah. one pushy on me. Because, yeah. you know, I said like, hey, if I ever do become Muslim, it's going to take time. I need to like, you know, take time to do it on my own. No one's ever been pushy, but they're always yeah. like, hey, if you want this video, yeah. you have questions, guys yeah. like, and, and super welcoming. Like, oh, if you're in England, hit me up. I'll take care of you. Yeah. I've noticed huge hospitality. I don't know yeah. if it's... Um, Islam or like um, it is. I've been treated so well you, you know, in all the Islamic countries. You have a right if you come to my mm -hmm. city, do you know you have a right to like I have to host you for at least three days. 
Really? No, I've been treated. Yeah. I've noticed I've been treated so good in these yeah. countries. Yeah. And even like, you know, I went to Morocco, trained some fighters out there. Yeah. And it was, it happened to be to Christmas. They sent me in yeah. Christmas cakes and stuff, even though yeah. that's a, I'm not really a Christian either, but it's yeah. a Christian religion. But they yeah. weren't like, oh, we're not going to send them his, his cake because, yeah. you know, it's not a religion. It's just yeah. super respectful. They take care of you. They go out of their way for hospitality. I've noticed a lot. Mm. You know, some things I, I notice in you because for us, we recognize certain traits mm. that were taught in Islam. So, for example, I see you as a, being a real loyal person. You know, yeah, like, if, for example, loyal. I see you, I see you, like, how you are with the mm. Diaz brothers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, and we don't, I feel we don't have that much as much anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, in, in every relationship, mm. like, you know, husband, wife, uh, parents, kids, you know what I mean? Mm. That loyalty in all different parts of, of life is kind of disintegrating yeah. a little bit. So this is a big concept in Islam, is to be loyal to somebody. Um, I see actually, you see a lot of so-called social justice warriors, mm -hmm. but you know, with you with your stances on bullying and how you dislike that, and like, uh, you know, for, for for you know people who are being unjustly you know treated, like you know, with us as the Muslim community. So somebody who stands up for justice, this mm -hmm. is a big concept in Islam. There's a there's a verse in the Quran that says, "Stand up for justice, even if it's against your own self." Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So justice is a big part of that. Another thing that I see in you that's um, similar to a lot of Islamic values is humility. You're you're a very humble guy, man. Like those haters out there, like who think they're so self righteous. My interaction with you, you are a super humble oh, yeah. guy. You know what yeah. I mean? You have people who have no accomplishment in life. Mm -hmm. They're they're made like by an algorithm on social media. You've yeah. actually done stuff. Dude, you're so humble. Like you came here, the way you interacted with us, this is part of a religion is like, remember, you know, check yourself, yeah. be humble with people, you know? Yeah, and these things you pointed out with loyalty, humility, these maybe I didn't even like, until you just mentioned it, yeah. it wasn't something I've consciously thought about Islam, yeah. but that might be part of the reason why I get along so well with so many yeah. Muslims. Maybe yeah. I kind of subconsciously notice, oh, they're, yeah. I'm all about loyalty. Like you said, the Diaz brothers, my other friends, if you're my friend, I'm gonna be loyal to you no matter what. Yeah. I'll have guys come up to me sometimes and they'll be like, oh, screw Nate, and then try to take a picture with me. It's like, do you really think you can disrespect one of my friends and then yeah. come get near me it's yeah, like no, yeah. stay away from me don't don't get anywhere near me like yeah yeah and so, some people i guess they don't have friends where they think you could just disrespect one of your friends and mm. be cool with you and i think yeah yeah like i said for everyone i guess a lot of muslims like you said they seem a little more loyal a lot of the people yeah. and you know a little more humble these like for things. example for us like muslims mm -hmm. if we see a muslim uh suffering in any part of the world we'll supplicate for them yeah. We'll, 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 we'll donate, you know, you'll see in fundraisers during the year, we're mm -hmm. collecting funds for, you know, Muslims in refugee camps and in, in, um, in, in Kashmir or Afghanistan, or, you know, collecting for, for Palestine, um, you know, people suffering in Iraq or in Yemen. We're like, literally like we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll in, in prayer openly, we'll, we'll supplicate to God, we'll donate for that. You know what I mean? But I, I remember, you know, as a kid in the nineties, we were uh, raising money, making like supplication for the Muslims in Bosnia. Mm. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it Black, doesn't matter Chinese, race, exactly. It does you know, anything, you know what I mean? So that's a big part of our religion is loyalty, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and um, our, our word means something. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's big on me too. Your word, you always keep your yeah. word. So many people now, they'll say something and not do it. To me, yeah. anything with my friends, yeah. if you say we're going to do something, we just do it. You know, you don't yeah. need to constantly check up on each other. It's like, yeah. if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to yeah. do it. You never yeah. you never pull back on your word. And unfortunately, yeah. a lot of people aren't yeah. taught that nowadays. Yeah. All I have in my world, well, this world is my word. <laughs> I don't break them for no one. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what I don't understand how people can just yeah. go around not keeping yeah. their word. Yeah, yeah. And this is, again, this is a big thing in... Um, 
in uh, in Islam about keeping your word, being honest, being mm -hmm. trustworthy. There's an incident with the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, where people used to keep their money with him because he's known mm -hmm. to be trustworthy, honest yeah. and trustworthy. These same people were attacking him because of his religion. So what happened is he had to escape from Mecca to Medina, yeah. right? So he had all these people's wealth. Mm -hmm. So what he did is he left his with his cousin, he left all the wealth, right, with them. So when they came to his house, they were going to attack him. It's like he's left, but he, he, here's his wealth. This is all yeah. what you guys are owed. So he didn't take the stuff, he didn't, yeah. Even though they were going to kill him yeah, because he did not want to break that trust. Isn't there something about no charging interest in Islam too? Oh yeah, yeah. No? We're th this is uh, and this used to be in Christianity too, right? Like Shakespeare's got plays about this, mm -hmm. but um, this is like uh, in you know to, you're not supposed to make money for money, right? So yeah. if I you know with with money lending, okay, I start making money because now it becomes whoever has the most money, I just got to lend a whole bunch of yeah, people money, money, yeah, and it's new slavery. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? So you got somebody paying off their house for 30, 40 years. They yeah. miss two payments. Boom. Take the house back, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for us, it's it's different. It's not like there's, there's a different financial uh, concept as well. So there's no, uh, you can't charge interest. Um, you're not supposed to uh, pay interest either. But you know, uh, the, the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he did s tell us in another prophetic narration, mm -hmm. a time will come where no one will be able to escape the dust of interest. Yeah. So you, you know what I mean, yeah, sometimes so, you have to, obviously you have to adapt things to the times yeah, and stuff too. Yeah. That's, that's what my friends who's, you know, Christian Muslims say, like, sometimes yeah. you can't be perfect. You know, there's yeah. been times on Ramadan where I've yeah. cheated and had a sip of water, but it's yeah. like, you know, you, you can't always be perfect because all you can yeah. do is give is do your best. I'm like, okay, that, that's a good way of looking at it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you, you do, you do your, see the most right. important thing in Islam is this, and this is the only thing that's unforgivable is that, it's la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. So it means that I submit that there's only one deity worthy of worship. Mm -hmm. So you don't make partners with God. That's the core of Islam. That's it. That's the criteria to be Muslim, is that you believe that there's no deity worthy, yeah. worthy of worship except for a God, right? Mm -hmm. And then after that, you struggle with everything else. But then mm -hmm. as you become Muslim, as you do things, yeah. it's like you, as a fighter, when you first got into fighting, you're not perfect, right? You're not perfect, you're make mistakes. You make mistakes mm -hmm. But as you get into it, you get better. You want to do more. You want to go to yeah. travel to New York to train with John mm -hmm. Danaher. You want to, you, know, yeah. you know, travel to different places, pick mm -hmm. up, you know, Caesar Gracie Jiu Jitsu. So you're doing all this stuff yeah. because you made that first step, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing is that the, the first step is the most important thing. Yeah, is believing in the God and yeah. Exactly, because everything came to us mm -hmm. from God. Everything came into existence because of God, right? Mm -hmm. So we as human beings are imperfect. That's why there's another prophetic narration that said that even if you came to God with an earth full of sin, mm -hmm. then God would come with you with, to, with an earth full of forgiveness. Yeah. You know, so as long as you... Um, you know, do your best. That's the most important thing. But if you do, can't submit, see, it's the humility thing, mm -hmm. right? If you can't submit to the creator that gave everything, mm -hmm. then you are more likely to submit to the creation. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that also kind of makes um, Muslims a little bit more independent minded too, mm -hmm. is that as long as I fear God and I submit to God, then whatever happens will happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Let the cards fall as they lay, yeah. as they may, so to speak. You know, so that's the kind of mentality that we have um, with Islam. What, in your mind, um, would prevent you from becoming Muslim? I think it's 
there's nothing really. It's just kind of hard. Like I think when you grow up non-religious to just yeah. jump and become religion. Yeah. Especially in the U.S., there's yeah. not very many uh, yeah. any white Muslims. I know I'd there's be a ex- lot, man. Is there? I know it would be accepted lot. though, because like the Muslims yeah. treat me great, so it's not like I know yeah. I wouldn't be accepted. It's just uh, you know the greatest demographic of converts are actually white women. Yeah, white women. There's not very many yeah. white men, I guess. But yeah, the yeah. white women are switching over. But yeah, no, I mean if I did yeah. become religious, it's probably. Islam is the one that speaks to me the the most. It's just hard to make that jump. I mean, I do believe in a God. And, and you know, I think the God Islam and Judaism and Christianity is basically the same gods the way I see it. Some people will say it's not, but to me, it appears like the same God. Yeah. You know, for us, it's the religion has taken different, um, I guess you could say, how they think about God, right? Mm -hmm. So for us, we believe in Moses, right? So we believe in the Old Testament. And what happened, obviously, is that scripture was changed and distorted it was different languages we believe in christianity we mm-hmm. believe in jesus as a prophet and then combination is prophet muhammad peace be upon him right yeah. so we don't reject any of the messengers yeah we take all of them the culmination is prophet muhammad peace be upon him so the theme is the same but the difference is this is that god said this is the final revelation mm-hmm. and i will preserve it and i think a testament to that and i think that's something that you appreciate when you see how mm-hmm. muslims don't change is that the testament for that is that the Quran was revealed in Arabic. People still speak Arabic today. Like people don't speak Aramaic and some of the other original languages of the scriptures, right? The laws, so everything in the Quran is preserved. And the laws that we have from the Quran and the um, what we call the hadith, like the prophetic traditions, mm-hmm. they're still preserved with us today. And that's the source of evidence. And so if you look at why haven't Muslim societies changed? is because that whole idea of preservation mm-hmm. has been consistent for over 1400 years. So it's like a testament of God saying, I will preserve yeah, the Quran. Preserve the- because what he said, the other scriptures, we gave the responsibility to men mm-hmm. and they did not fulfill that responsibility. Yeah. So with the Quran, uh, I will guard over it. I'll, I'll preserve it. And if you look at it, like we still have those same values. You no, know, that's and that's what I've noticed too. You know, yeah. when I travel to Islamic countries and just you know being around Islamic people yeah. in the U.S., they still preserve their culture. And the U.S. Yeah. is kind of like, it's not the Christianity has kind of like died. And I think that's yeah. you know even though I'm not a Christian, I think it's kind of a sad thing. I think yeah. maybe that's part of the part of the reason why we're having so many problems in the West is yeah. the Christianity. People are losing they're losing God, so they're yeah. replacing it with like with like cults and different thinking. That's true. Like humans almost like need something, yeah. some kind of community and something to worship. So yeah. with that dying, you see a lot of the problems happening. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna make a deal with you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you um, want to become Muslim, we're gonna take you for a pilgrimage. All right. No, I, I, one of my friends went yeah. to Mecca recently, said yeah. it was awesome. So yeah. uh, he's so, been going to Saudi Arabia. He's so, like, oh, so you got to go out there. So like, we're, we're if I, if I do, you, I'll definitely go. We'll, 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 uh, we'll take that on ourselves. We'll take you. Oh. We'll be your personal guides. Well, that, thank you. you know? If I were to take you yeah. up on it, that would be, a, yeah. I mean, might as well hit Mecca right away. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll <laughs> do it. There'll be a lot of jealous people. We'll do it. We'll do it. went straight there. 100%. And we have something we also want to give you as a gift, appreciation. There's a prophetic tradition, a prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, Quantum said, tuhadu tuhabu, meaning give gifts and love one another. So we have some gifts for you here. So um, we got, uh, I don't want to drop anything here, but we have uh, we have some clothes for your new baby girl oh, here. Awesome. So I want to give that to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And we have in here just some of uh, our life huck swag. So like a shirt oh, awesome. uh, and hat. I always need new shirts and hats, so. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, 
we also have a copy of the Quran. I don't know if you have a copy of the Quran, but this is a really good translation. Yeah, maybe I'll start reading that because this is um, maybe like some virtual ones, but yeah. I felt like reading stuff on my computer. Yeah, yeah, no, no, this is a really good uh, translation. This uh, Dr. Mustafa Khattab, mm -hmm. he's actually uh, from Canada. Yeah. Right. So he he uh, wrote a really good translation because really? you know sometimes it's hard the to older translations yeah. are like in old English and stuff so like that. So it's hard to understand them with the way we talk differently. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So this is a really mm. good translation. It's like one of the best newer ones. Yeah, that's awesome. I so definitely read it. Wanted to give this. Yeah, to I tried well. reading the Bible and it was just too. The translations yeah. were too tough. Yeah. And any questions you have, you let us know. We're here for you. We're yeah. at your service. I really you know? appreciate that. You know what I mean? Uh, but just uh, some tokens of appreciation for you. Uh, taking the time because like i said um you're really humble like d dealing the process like we deal like sometimes like you know you deal with different speakers different yeah. people and um you kept your word man like yeah, you no, were I, really I, humble you were always, awesome to deal always with keep my word <laughs> like no ego you know i think that's yeah. that's your recipe for success like you you know i think people don't un appreciate that ego imprisons you oh yeah you know what i mean you see some guys too they're not even that successful yet and they get these big egos it's like uh yeah what happened? Yeah. Those for the most part, though, at least in fighters, yeah. most guys when they start getting famous, successful, don't yeah. change too much. There's a yeah. few guys that I know that you know got got douchey and changed a little bit. Yeah. But the vast majority of the guys stayed super humble, didn't change. You know, yeah. like my whole crew: Nick, Nate Diaz, yeah. Gil Melendez, all these guys. Yeah, yeah. Chuck Liddell. That's who I first started yeah, training yeah. with. These guys all stayed humble. Yeah, yeah, and that's another thing, man. That's the OG that you learned mm -hmm. from back in the days that gave you your start, right? Was or you learned from? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Chuck was the first guy I knew to get famous, and then yeah. you know, I mean, I hadn't seen him like a year, and I ran into him, and he's yeah. like, and then he's just like, why, why, why haven't called me? You haven't hit me up. And yeah. That's when I realized, like, oh, I was the one treating him different because he got not famous, not him treating me different. Yeah, yeah. I didn't hit him up because I felt like two yeah. people were hitting him up. I didn't want to bother him, and he's yeah. like, bro, you never hit me up anymore. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm the one treating him different. He's not yeah. treating anyone different. Yeah, yeah. So that was a good wake up call, seeing that fame, you know he was still the same down to earth, earth person and still yeah, treated yeah. his old friends like his real friends. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and that's, it's hard to, you know, keep that because, you know, I think we see that sometimes in the fight game, people don't appreciate their coaches that help them come mm -hmm. up or their teachers or people that, you know, that kind of help sacrifice. But uh, you're a real one, man. Yeah, you're, thank you. That's, and, and I appreciate that and I appreciate the time that you uh, spent with us because for us as Muslims, um, we take knowledge, we take wisdom wherever we can get it. You know what I mean? And we benefit from that. And, um, you know, the, the fact that you're here, you engage with our audience, you engage with us. We truly appreciate that. And uh, we hope that, you know, God keeps guiding you to righteousness. You Thank know. you. Appreciate it, guys. And so um, we'll conclude our podcast today. And as always, we live by the haq, we die by the haq. And just when you think life is stuck, tune into life haq. So by the way, uh, haq means the truth. The truth? In, yeah, in, in Arabic, okay. right? I know, I was just wondering what that meant when you're saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. The Life Hug podcast is an attempt to get to the truth, the haq, through all the noise of mainstream media with engaging and difficult conversations. Our goal is to grow and develop with all of you as we embark upon new frontiers. So please post your comments, like the video, subscribe to the channel, and don't forget to turn on the notification bell so you don't miss a moment.